I'm Mindy Hancock, Mindset and Life Coach, and you're listening to the Mindy Mission Podcast. This podcast is a high-vibe, expansive space for women on a mission who are ready to stop playing small. You have one life to live. It is up to you to decide how you choose to spend it. It's time to stop waiting, stand up, and start living your Welcome back to another episode of the Mindy Mission Podcast. Today on the podcast, I got to interview Regina Lawrence. And Regina is a corporate attorney who bottomed out on her office floor in panic attacks and is now running a coaching business where she focuses on assisting people to get to the root cause of their stress and anxiety so that they can live a more peaceful, productive, and profitable life. So we talked a lot about stress and anxiety, and I talked a lot about my own journey and um, battle with anxiety and how it's actually pretty recent as far as what my journey has looked like and my coming to realization of my anxiety being real and saying it out loud and what that looks like. So it's a vulnerable episode on my part, but we really learned different tools and techniques and Regina speaks so beautifully on um, anxiety and how to cope and different ways that you can go about that in your life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Mindy Mission Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Regina Lawrence. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited you're here. So first and foremost, I start out every podcast the same. I like to ask my guests, like, who are you? What do you do? How did you get to this point? What is your story? Who is Regina at her core? So we can get a good sense of who you are. Awesome. So hi, everyone. My name is Regina Lawrence, and I am currently a mindset rehabilitation coach. I focus my business on stress and anxiety coaching, helping people get to the root of their stress and anxiety, understand it, and rewrite their story and reprogram their brain so that they can be more peaceful. And my journey to being a stress and anxiety coach started because I was really stressed and anxious my whole life. And that was who I identified as. If you ask me, I would say, I'm just anxious. It, it was my I am statement. I am anxious. Mm-hmm. And I, I used it to my benefit as long as I could. So I put myself through college. I put myself through law school. And in my first couple years of practice, I was probably in my fifth year of practice, I was handling a case for a big client and started feeling the heart racing and the sweating and the shaking and was like, oh no, and got out of my office chair, went over to the door, closed it, and then I didn't know what to do. So I just laid down on the floor and I stretched my arms out. I put on a Headspace meditation app and I laid there and cried. And I said to myself, I can't live like this anymore. I, there has to be a better way, this way in which I'm living. So that propelled me, that moment, literally my bottom on the floor propelled me to really look into why was I feeling the way I was feeling and how could I change the way that I thought. So I worked with mindset coaches and business coaches and, you know, doctors and naturopaths and all different people, because at that point, the stress had wreaked massive havoc on my body. Mm -hmm. I had hormonal imbalances. I was having difficulty losing weight. I 
was having trouble sleeping. I had adrenal fatigue. I had all, I had digestive issues. I had all the stuff that I thought was independently happening on its own. Mm -hmm. And at 30, I was like, my, my life is falling apart. Like what's wrong with me? Um, and from that was born creating, studying and creating a system that assists people to retrain the brain to no longer be stressed and anxious because I truly believe that we have the power for the most part to take control of stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I, I love that. First of all, I want to say, um, those of you listening, this is not a subject that I've actually really talked a whole, whole lot about on the podcast. Yes, we've talked about overwhelm. We've talked about a little bit of stress, but we've never really talked about anxiety and stress in this sense. And so um, I know that a lot of us suffer from it and we all have it, but, uh, or a lot of us have it, but a lot of us choose not to recognize it. Um, for what it is. And like you said, you were having all these issues, but you were looking at them as standalone issues or, you know, the same thing for me where once I hit 30, I felt like my body just changed and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Like I no longer could lose weight. Same thing. Like I felt like I was, I would do things and it wouldn't work. And then I would, you know, sleeping, um, as well, or, um, just being literally tired all the time. And I felt like I was living in this world of, you know, I would stimulant, stimulant, stimulant (laughs) to go throughout the day. And then you couldn't sleep that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, So I know exactly what you mean by that. So whenever you were, you were in that position and you were on, you know, the floor of your office and you were in this like space of, okay, this is now I've got to figure out something. I've got to, I've got to make a change in that point at that point in your life, what was the thought process of how, you know, what were the steps you took at that point to continue to start this journey, um, to where you are now? And then I want to just dive into like how, what your, your tips are on managing the stress and anxiety. Definitely. So the very first thing that I did was I gave myself permission to change because I thought that I had to be that way forever. I just thought it was who I was. And with any big change in life, we have to give ourselves permission because we've been in that standard of living for so long. Mm -hmm. So first I gave myself permission and I said, Regina, you don't have to live a life that's this painful anymore. And that was the first thing. The next thing that I did was I started to get into the world of self-help a little bit because I was very much like self-help books. Give me a break. Like I was like, I was like so snooty about it. I was like, I'm a smart girl. I went to law school. I don't need a self-help book. You know, now I like laugh at that because you see my shelf. It's like everything and anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I started to get into that. But I, as I started to explore, I started to explore Tony Robbins and different people. I loved it and it really resonated with me, but I I didn't know how to do it. I needed accountability and I also needed to like figure out retraining the way that you think and the way that you look at life is like undoing for me. It was undoing 30 years of programming. Mm -hmm. So I hired a coach and he became my business and life coach and I worked with him and studied under him. And that's where it started. It started with first acknowledging there's a problem and I have Mm -hmm. stress and anxiety The second thing was giving myself permission to make the change. And the third thing was actually taking action to make those changes. And it was really painful. There were moments that were really painful, 
Mm-hmm. And obviously any transition and new habit we're forming, like we don't do it perfectly. And I had to give myself grace and space to like have a panic attack and like pull myself out of it. But that those were like the first steps for me to really start the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to say too, I, I want to ask your opinion on this because I think, I mean, it's true for me. So I'm speaking from like personal experience as well, that for a long time when you're trying, like I tried to tell myself that what I was feeling was, I guess, just normal. Um, Mm -hmm. and that it was something that I could manage on my own and I didn't need to tell anybody about it. I didn't need to talk about it. I didn't need to, I didn't need anything. It was just who I was. It was a part of my life. I remember seeing my dad, um, you know, work through anxiety and things like that my whole life. So I always thought that this is just who I was and it was not anything, but I also felt in in the back of my head, I kept thinking, if I say this out loud, what will happen? Mm -hmm. What will happen at that point? If I say, I can't control these thoughts and this anxiety that I have inside of me, I can't control it anymore. And I don't know what to do with it. Um, But inevitably it came to that point where, you know, I'm having this ridiculous, you know, panic attack, um, in my living room with my husband. And he's like, what is going on with you? And I finally said, this is 15, you know, like we'd been together for 15 years. And I'm like, this, I've never told you this. Like, and he's like, why haven't you told me this? I'm like, because if I said any of this out loud, I felt like it made it true. So Mm -hmm. what, in your opinion, do you feel like you see a lot of that as well? Like, or even for yourself, like just wanting to keep it inside because I felt like once I said it out loud, not only did I make it true, but then I felt like I was worried as to how does this change? Will this change who I am? Will this define me now? Like, is this my story now? Now I'm this girl who has anxiety and stress. Yeah. So I think for a lot of people, and I was this way as well, that we're afraid to say it out loud because we feel like it makes us weak Mm -hmm. or we feel like it makes us less than to say we suffer from stress and anxiety. But the thing that I realized is that since I've opened up this dialogue, that people are like coming out of the woodwork telling me this. And even when I was still practicing law and I had started this and I'm a law school professor as well, Mm -hmm. you know, my students and my colleagues were just coming to me feeling like I was a safe space to be like, I'm losing my mind and I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of us are afraid that, especially like in a professional setting, in, in relationships, we're afraid that like, are we going to be judged for this? Like, do other people feel this way? And the thing is that everybody does because the human body like produces stress, like even, or produces anxiety and stress. Like think Mm -hmm. about working, there's good stresses, right? Like exercise is a stress on the body. Um, there are certain types of stresses that are motivators for us. Like we were built and wired with our neurological system and our brain a certain way. So we all experience it, like, but we don't want to talk about it. So mm-hmm. I see it all the time. Yeah. And I, I, I honestly feel like that this is a dialogue that I wish that more people would talk about. I wish more people would open up about it. And I think too, 
people like you who are creating this open dialogue are going to help a lot of people start to open up about it as well. But it's just something that people don't like to talk about. I've noticed it's just this like stigma. There's a stigma around it that, you know, you don't talk about the anxiety that you have, or you don't talk about the stress that you have because just like you said, it makes you look weak. It makes you look less than, and you know, whether it be that you're looking at someone else that, you know, you feel like has it all together but a lot of times on social media, we're seeing a highlight reel of someone's life. It's not always, and you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Right. You don't know what's happening. If they're having a panic attack on their office floor or their bedroom floor, mm -hmm. you don't know those things. They're not putting those on social media. And I think that contributes to some people's anxiety. Yes, but also contributes to the fact that they are afraid to open up about it because yeah. these people that they see the perceptions they have of other people, maybe in their industry as well. Um, they feel like, you know, they have it all together. If I show weakness, people aren't going to think as highly of me. But what I have learned to be true is that in my, and in your case too, showing that you are human mm -hmm. is key. Totally. And like, I even see, like, I even have moments where I'm a stress and anxiety coach, like, and my business was born out of my own experiences. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot on Instagram and I do a lot on Instagram story. And sometimes I have a moment where I'm having a really, really shitty day and I want to, I'm like, Oh, I shouldn't show that. And I'm like, no, I should show that people should see that. And then I, I even question myself where I'm like, you know, like I'm a stress and anxiety coach. Like, should I tell them I'm having stress and anxiety? You know, mm -hmm. because we're, we are conditioned right now where everything's a pretty picture and a pretty scene, but there are girls all over right now, like crying in the stall of their bathroom at work because mm -hmm. they had a horrible experience or like sitting at their desk, having massive anxiety and can't breathe and can't eat breakfast right now because they're having such a hard time. So mm -hmm. I just think we need to really, and that's why I'm appreciative to be on this podcast because I feel like we need to talk about this all the time and like 100%. acknowledge the fact that we live in a country that really promotes uh, anxiety in the way that we work and the way that we're encouraged to live. And mm -hmm. if we're going to live this way, we need to start learning how to talk about it and how to process it and how to assist people in dealing with this. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's all about too, I think when it comes to anxiety and in relates, since we just kind of talked a little bit about social media. When it comes to social media, I have, I have known for myself, what I had to do is literally like, if I find something that is causing me anxiety or someone who's causing me anxiety, when I see their things or, mm -hmm. you know, watch their stories or whatever, because most likely when it comes from this space, it's if you get into that comparison trap or whatever, and it causes you anxiety, I will, I mean, it's just, I unfollow, I quit Definitely. watching their things because my energy and the way that I, um, show up for me is more important than, you know, the way that I, than following these people who are giving me the anxiety or making me feel less than. Totally. So, um, I 100% think that the unfollow button is your best friend. Most sometimes, you know, especially for those of us who, who are dealing with the anxiety and sometimes it gets too loud and, you know, we start to, um, compare ourselves and then we allow ourselves to go down this rabbit hole of, you know, why I'm not worthy enough or why I don't have value to offer or things like that. Yeah. Um, and I want to, I want to bring up this point and at, talk to you about this because I think that you could provide some 
value and shed some light on maybe tips on helping with this. Because for me, um, I realized that I'm a teacher um, full time. So during the summer is when what this is what I have found to be true. When I find myself by myself, that's when my thoughts get too loud. And that's when my anxiety becomes even more hard to manage. So Mm -hmm. as a teacher, you know, I'm, I work full time Monday through Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. I spend a lot of time with my husband or family or friends or whatever. And I'd always just thought that I didn't realize that the wanting to be around people was a coping mechanism for me. Um, And I didn't even realize it. I just always wanted to go and do and be around people. Um, I didn't really even like, even if it was just sitting with my husband and watching TV, like not even having to have a conversation, I just needed to be with someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't realize that it was, I always told myself, it's just because you're like a goer and a doer and you're an extrovert. It's not anything else. Um, but then I realized that every single summer break, I always had something to do. I always had, you know, grad school or I was, you know, I worked a part-time job or did something during the summer that kept me busy. And mm-hmm. this past summer was my first summer that I didn't, wasn't in grad school anymore. I didn't have a summer job. Um, it didn't really have anything that I was doing. And every single day, you know, my husband would get up and go to work and, I was by myself and, you know, everybody around me is working because nobody else, you know, not everybody else is, has the luxury of having summer off, but I, that's when I found that it got so hard to silence those thoughts and Mm -hmm. the thoughts, maybe they didn't make sense, but being by myself, it just got louder and louder and louder. And when, when I talked about the noise in my head, people that don't, some people don't understand it. Some mm-hmm. people don't understand. What are you talking about? Like, just quit thinking about it. I'm like, I can't even understand my thoughts to you because they don't make sense, mm-hmm. but they cause me anxiety and yeah. being by myself, they just would get louder and louder. And that's what I think put me over the edge and gave, that's where I got, had my first, you know, anxiety attack. So does that resonate with you when I say thoughts get too loud and how do you, mm-hmm. what, what are your um, tips on helping someone who says, I can't be my, by myself. Like if I'm by myself, that's when my anxiety is high. I, I just, my thoughts go crazy. Um, and I've gotten a lot better of, you know, being in my own energy and being okay with being by myself and being still and being quiet um, and not allowing my thoughts to just go everywhere. I've figured out my own way of doing things and, um, you know, practices and meditating or whatever, whatever works for me. But what is your, what are your tips? So I definitely had a similar experience. I'm always go, go, going. And I would actually get to the point where like it would be a Saturday and I've been going all week and I'd be sitting on the couch watching TV for like a couple hours. And then I'd be like, that would start to give me, I'd start to feel anxious from that. Like I got to do, I got to, you know, whatever. And so I always say, and this is like a certain type of brain that does this. It's like a certain type of human being that does this. It's usually like the achiever the type A, the person that wants to do everything all the time. And so a lot of times in that personality type, and I'm speaking for myself because I've been that personality type, whatever is causing the racing thoughts and the anxiety is deep in the core of who we are. Mm -hmm. And so the way that we cope through life and it starts in childhood is that we don't know how to cope. We don't know how to deal. We feel like we can't talk about it. And so we just fill our schedule and we fill our lives. And like for me, I was a type A high achiever. Um, that's how I found value. I'm from, I had, you know, I'm from a family of addicts and I was one who wanted to not be like anybody else. And so 
I found my value in doing, 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 being codependent and doing for everyone. Mm -hmm. And what I realized when I got to the heart of my stress and anxiety was that this was just a way for me to cover it up. And then I started to ask myself, what happens when you are in, when, when you go strip everything down to the core of who you are? Like, who is Regina and how does Regina feel? Mm-hmm. And that's hard. And that's like, that can be hard and it's a little scary. Um, but I really started to get into mindfulness. And mm-hmm. for me, a few things really helped me with mindfulness. One, I've learned how to meditate and I've learned how to have moments of stillness. The, the beauty of meditation, and I know some people, and I've had this conversation lately, some people are a little bit hesitant about meditation because they think, my thoughts are racing. I can never stop my thoughts. Or they're like, I'm not into that spirituality. Like I don't want to meditate. And what I'll tell anybody listening is that meditation is just a way that we learn. It's an exercise. It's a muscle that we, that we build. And it's a way that we learn how to see our thoughts. We don't stop our thoughts, Mm -hmm. but we learn how to manage them. And like, I heard this example, it's an ability to, as just as you would stand on the side of the road and watch cars go back and forth, that's how we learn to look at our thoughts. So they're still happening. I'm still, even when I sit there and meditate, sometimes I'm like, I got to get my car serviced. I need to do this. I got to follow up with that person. I just breathe through it and I'm like, it's all going to get done. And I've learned to silence my mind. And so that skill of learning how to slow the mind a little bit and be more present, you then can take it into those moments where the panic starts to happen and where the brain like shame spiral of thinking starts to happen. So Mm -hmm. meditation and stillness was huge for me. I have a lot of energy, so I have to work out. I work out five or six days a week Mm -hmm. because if I don't like God help the world, I'm a, I'm a lot to handle. Um, I am a coffee drinker. If I, if I'm too caffeinated, I get insane. Um, I, the brain starts racing, especially if I'm like working and I have thoughts and I'm going and I'm like, Ooh, coffee, cat stimulants, blah, blah, blah. I, I become insane. Um, I find that if I'm drinking alcohol the next day, even if I'm not drinking a lot sometimes, and if I'm alone, I start to feel the brain go. So I have to watch my alcohol consumption. So Mm -hmm. a lot of it is figuring out your triggers and like for you being alone was a trigger. So you had to look at it. And for me, being alone at times has been a trigger. So we have to look at it and see why is this triggering me and what external things and internal things can we do to set us up to prevent us from getting into that place where we go from thought to thought to thought to thought, and then it spirals. Because then what happens is there's two areas of the brain that anxiety comes from. There's the cortex of the brain and there's the amygdala. The cortex of the brain is when you have thought, 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 spiral, spiral, spiral. That's all your cortex, rational brain, right? Mm-hmm. Once that goes and starts spinning, it triggers your amygdala. So that's when it's fight, flight, or freeze. When you start sweating, the heart racing, the physical reactions in the mm-hmm. body. So w- with somebody like us who has that spinning brain, it's, it's best to try to figure out ways that we can stop the brain or rationally at the very beginning when we're being triggered because if not once you start that tailspin and you hit the amygdala and the physical reactions start to happen it's really hard to stop that once we get to that place 100% and like for for me that's the same thing and the the being in my like being by myself being still was something that I really 
dreaded for a really long time. And I'm not going to say every time I'm by myself or if I meditate every time it's easy. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, sometimes I, my thoughts are a million miles an hour or so there's some nights when I lay down and I'm like, I, I literally cannot shut my brain off mm-hmm. um, in order to like just go to sleep. And I, once I go to sleep, I am fine. I yeah. can sleep all night, but it's that sometimes when you have that, you know, all of these thoughts that, and I am, I know what you're talking about spiraling because for me too, I will start to think about something that leads me to think about something else that leads me to think about something else that ends up spiraling me down some rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And I'm now thinking about something that happened 10 years ago. And it's, it's crazy how your mind can work and how it can, how it, how it spirals into these like weird thoughts of that. Even for me now, I have to also tell myself one thing that I've told myself when I start to feel this like anxiety from a thought or a lot of thoughts in some cases, um, especially when I'm by myself, if I start to feel this way, I ask myself like, is this happening? Is this really happening right now? Um, is this something that is like really life threatening or is this something that's really happening in my present right now? Or is this something that I'm worried about? Is this something that I'm worried about could happen? If it's not happening right now, I try to like, okay, you know, take a deep breath. Like this is not happening. Like we're not stressing over something that hasn't happened Mm -hmm. Um, because I have always been a worrier. Um, You know, I worry about not being in control of things or not, you know, because type A, we want to be in control. We want to know all of the things that are going to happen from point A to point Z. But we just, um, but I just, had to realize that sometimes I can't be in control of everything and that worrying literally does nothing for me. And, but I've always been as a child, I was a worrier as a child. Mm -hmm. I was that child who would go to school. And if I didn't have my normal teacher, I had a substitute. I was that child who didn't function well with change. I was that child who, you know, I remember my mom was a stay at home mom for a lot of my life. And I would, I remember vividly coming home one day and my mom had rearranged my room and I had a flip out moment. I remember it so well that like my mom was even like, what is going on with you? But I could not verbalize why I was so resistant to change. But at the same time, now looking back as an adult, the same time that all this was happening, my dad was going through a lot of anxiety and depression. And I remember seeing him, you know, trying to cope and he couldn't, I remember seeing all of these things with him. And so I remember coming home that day, she had rearranged my room and I had a full on like fallout on the floor, screaming, crying, you have to change it back. You have Mm -hmm. to change it back. And she's like, why? Like all I could understand was my brain would think that something bad was about to happen. Like change meant bad. So as a child, that's all I could associate it with. So, um, as an adult, I'm a lot better with change now, but, um, but I have always been that person who, you know, I, I had these, I didn't do well with change. I didn't do well with this, um, with the unknown and not being in control of it. So, so when you're working with, let's say a client of yours or someone that who, um, you're assisting them in, you know, managing their stress and their anxiety and figuring out, you know, how can they live this life that, you know, isn't all about wrapped up in their stress and anxiety and that there is more to life and life can be 
fun and, and peaceful. And there are going to be moments and seasons that we're going to have more stress and anxiety, but Mm. yeah. But how do we, what are your tips to really manage it? Because I don't really want to say that it's never going to go away. I know that to be true. It's never going to go away for me. And I am okay with that. But I do know now things that I do that help me. No, they're not going to help everyone, but they help me feel um, better or manage it better. Um, So what are some tips that you would give the listeners who are like, oh my gosh, this is me. I have anxiety. I have racing thoughts. I don't like to be by myself. Um, What are some tips for for them? So as interesting as you were talking about your experiences um, with the racing thoughts and type A, wanting to be in control mm-hmm. and all that, it made me think about a couple different things, mm-hmm. um, which goes into in, in response to your question. So a lot of times when we are having those thoughts, like this thought goes to this thought goes to this thought, a lot of times in that neocortex of the brain as that type A fixer in control, we rationalize our thoughts because we think I'm just trying to find a solution. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to fix something. I'm just trying to be in control of something. That's what we tell ourselves. And then that's why we allow it to go from thing to thing to thing, solution to solution. But really we're just spinning out of control. And something I work on with people a lot is the idea that we have no control is an illusion. And we want to have control, us type A people, we want to be in control of the control of the control. And you, we will never be in control of anything in life. The only things that we truly are in control of are our mind and our body. And sometimes we lose control of those things, right? Mm -hmm. So we really spend a lot of time working on that control issue, letting go of some control in all areas of our lives. Um, because it seems to help the brain when we start to really like I consciously tell myself as things come up like something came up yesterday and I was like (gasps) and I wanted to micromanage it and I was like Regina you're not in control of this you can't control that person's outcome and you have to let it go and these thoughts that are starting to form are just going to spiral you and they're literally that situation out there that you want to fix it's not going to get fixed you can't control it um So that's the first thing I always work with people on is thinking about the control and then also thinking about a lot of our stress and anxiety. And you, you touched on this a few minutes ago comes from fear of things that are not real. Mm -hmm. So we start to think about something and we think about something in the future and we stress and we think about how are we going to control it? Essentially it boils down to how are we going to control it and what are we going to do? And that we are in fear in those moments when we're looking at those things. And so I have started this process where I had a moment recently in my business where I was feeling anxious and I was like, I had to check in with myself and say, why are you anxious? Well, I was feeling anxious because I was scared. Why are you scared? I was scared of all of these scenarios that I made up that were going to happen in my business if I didn't succeed or if I didn't do this right. And I was like, none of that has actually happened. And you're making yourself physically sick and paralyzing yourself in fear right now. Mm -hmm. So let's take a step back and acknowledge that you have made up a complete story in your brain based on maybe past experiences or what you've seen other people go through. Mm -hmm. And let's let go of this fear, right? So I just 
you know, when, when you start to feel that happen, mm -hmm. I always like to say to my clients, have a conversation with yourself like you would with your best friend. Where if my best friend came to me and she was like, oh my gosh, and this happened and I'm worried about this in my business or I'm worried about this in my marriage and what if this happens and what if that happens, I would be the rational friend who would say, that hasn't happened. Right. Why are you worried about that? Like, stop worrying about the future. You can't control it, right? But for ourselves, we're often we're not our best friend. So I've started this exercise where I will sit down and write. And I actually write myself a letter. And I talk to myself through a spiral that I feel happening and mm -hmm. get it all out and really try to separate myself from myself and have a conversation. Because in those moments, a lot of times the only person that can stop it is you. And you go, like anybody can talk to you and say, don't think that, you know, that's not the case, but we right. have to go through that process ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so acknowledging don't, don't pretend it's not happening. Don't pretend you're starting. Don't pretend that you're not like sweating and you're like right. nervous, but like acknowledge it. Be like, holy shit. Like I'm having a moment. Why am I having a moment? And then investigate into it and start to figure out why it's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think journaling is something or writing a letter is, is something that's really powerful for me too, because all at the end of the day, it's all around for me. It's like, what do I really know to be true? And mm -hmm. I have to really come back to that, like that, that thought of what do I know to be true right now? Mm -hmm. um, and then just sitting with that versus allowing it to just continue to spiral. But um, I also want to say, because I, when I first decided to like, or not decided to like was forced to like through a panic attack, say, I don't know what to do at this point. Like I am, at, at my wit's end. I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know. Like, and it's the smallest of things that might set it off. Um, that would spiral me, that spiraled me into that. It was, a, it was the smallest thing that made me have a thought that made me have another thought that made me have the complete panic attack. So when mm -hmm. I was in that moment and I finally just said, okay, out loud, I'm having, I have anxiety. I can't deal with it on my own anymore. I have to say this out loud. I have coped with it. I figured it out, figured out ways that work well for me, but I, I'm at the point where I can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I was at that point and I said it out loud and, and I went down the road of like, okay, talk to my husband about it. Talk to my mom about it. She's a nurse. And like, she's like, you know, this is normal. Like, this is okay. You know, you, this is not you. But then I went through this point of, so if you were talking to someone who had just finally said, okay, this is anxiety that I'm feeling and I am recognizing that this is what it is. This is not, yeah. you know, this is not have to define me. And I went through that point of like, it, I remember it was a really like couple of weeks of feeling like I had just been yeah. the most vulnerable and like almost like, I felt like I just stripped away so much of what I was showing other people. And mm -hmm. I almost felt like I was like thinking back now, I felt like I was standing naked in mm -hmm. front of like a group of people and they were seeing me for, for me at that point. And I was, it was the most vulnerable feeling, um, and having to navigate that and figuring out, okay, so now from this point, I recognize it. I said it out loud. Everybody, like all of these people around me know, and now I'm going to move forward but it doesn't mean that everything has to be wrapped up in my anxiety. 
Right. That's where I had to like really have this mental shift of like, I can't. And and now my husband's really good. I'll say I'm having a moment. (laughs) Like I'll say that, like I'm having a moment. I feel a little bit of anxiety right now. Like I'm just letting you know. And he knows too, like he'll say, um, like I'll, I'll, I have like weird OCD thoughts too, like small things. Like I need to go, like I'll force myself to go back and check something to make sure that I did it because if I don't, it'll control me, things like that. But how, how would you tell a person to navigate this newness of like, it doesn't have to define you. You aren't your anxiety. It may be a part of you but it doesn't have to be who you are. And that's where I felt like I was in a really weird space for a moment. Cause I felt like I had, I felt like now this is who I am and everything is going to be wrapped up in this. And even my husband was like, Mindy, this is not who you are. You mm-hmm. have got to realize that, you know, this is not you, this is a part of you and you can still continue to do what you're doing and continue to live life with anxiety. It doesn't have to overtake you at this point, just because you said it out loud and you had a panic attack. So how do you help clients navigate from this point when they finally just like recognize it for what it is and they're scared out of their mind? Because I remember being so scared and so, um, unsure because this was a point where I wasn't in control. So when I have people come to me and they've just like acknowledged and realized like that they are suffering from anxiety as a result of the stress in their life and inside of their heads, mm-hmm. um, the first thing, so like when you, when we make a statement, when we say I am X, I am stressed, I am anxious, mm-hmm. whenever we say I am anything, we are making that a part of who we are. And so the very first thing, it might sound funny, but I want to change the identity that we have. So when I've started to work on my stress and anxiety, I, instead of, I knew that stress and anxiety was a really big weakness for me. Mm-hmm. So every morning when I would get up to journal and I would get up, I'm really big into mantras and to affirmations mm-hmm. and to saying things. Because if we keep saying things over and over and over again, it eventually changes the way we think. Mm-hmm. So I stopped saying I am stressed and I am anxious Um, and I started saying the positive of what do I want? I want to be peaceful and I want to be present. So I started every day with my journaling saying, I am peaceful. I am present. I am peaceful. I am present. And even when I started to have moments where I'd be like, I remember sitting at my desk and I was like, I would feel it coming. And I was like, Nope, no, not today, Satan. And I would just like breathe. And I would say, I am peaceful. I am present. I am peaceful. I am present. And that practice like really starts to change. And that's with anything you, you want to change in your life with Mm -hmm. any goal that you have, you always have to forward vision cast it and really speak it into your subconscious mind and change the relationship that you have with stress and anxiety Mm -hmm. and change the fact that you feel like it's a part of you. It's not a part of you. It's something that the body does, right? The reaction of the body but like it's not, it doesn't define you. It's not who you are as a human being. So I start with that little thing with my clients and I have them when they're having that moment where they're, you know, starting to feel the anxiety creep up. They stop. I tell them, stop whatever you're doing. If you need to, if you can take a walk, take a walk and breathe and have a conversation with yourself. And like, I like to like put my hand on my chest and like pat my chest as I'm breathing and say, I am peaceful, I am present, I am peaceful, I am present, and reset and walk mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, 
when you talk about your chest, that's a lot of what I do too. And I still feel it coming on as I, cause naturally when I start to feel it come on, that's the first place I feel it is mm-hmm. right here in my chest. Like it feels like I can't breathe. I don't, you know? Totally. And so, um, I, I do the same thing, but when you said go for a walk, I, I also say, you know, whatever you need to do to change your environment, I like to do that too. So like if I'm at home and I feel like I am stressed or I feel like my anxiety is getting high, then I, I have to change my environment to change yeah. the way my mind is thinking. So sometimes it's like, I need to go for a walk or I need to get in my car and I need to go somewhere. I need to go to a coffee shop. I need to change my environment. Um, do something to get me out of that space that I'm in and that headspace because um, I've learned that that's one of the the keys for me. If I just sit here and sit in it and not allow myself to like to do something to get out of it, I have to take action to get out of it. Um, otherwise, I'll you just change, you, you have to change the energy. You yeah. know, it's like that. And I and this applies. This is a principle that applies to so many areas of life. Whether you're having panic, change your energy and change your environment. If you're working and you're really struggling with your business or whatever you're doing, change your environment, like go for a walk, like do something different. I do that constantly, like, Mm -hmm. because we, we can't stay in, in this perfect peak state all the time, but we do things to help us get in and out of the peak state and changing your energy and changing your environment and your zone is like so powerful, especially when you're feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think that, I think establishing a morning routine, um, mm-hmm. is something that is key for someone like myself or like you who has anxiety and like being able to start that day. And I've, because I've, this is something I've been working on myself is establishing a morning routine where I can feel very calm and peaceful and grounded and ready for the day versus anxious, because that was the complete flip side. That's what I felt most days is getting up, racing the clock, getting out the door, you know, and then starting my day that way. And when I do, you know, morning routine of, you know, meditation and things like that, and I start in a calm, from a calm space, my day goes totally different. So I always think that if, and it doesn't have to be anything big, like mine's not like some hour long, you know, thing. Um, but it can be like, for me, it might be 30 minutes of like meditation journal, you know, a little bit of just sitting in the silence sometimes that I have start to learn to enjoy, which yeah. I used to, you know, I didn't enjoy. I would, my mornings were very always, you know, fast. And I would make sure I had on like the radio, something to silent, you know, to, to get my mind off of anything else that I was worried about. Yeah. Um, so being able to spend that time with myself has been really helpful for me. Totally. I'm a big proponent of morning and evening routines Mm. and they don't have to be very long. Like literally 10 minutes in the morning can change the course of your day. Mm -hmm. It's when we wake up in the morning in a state of stress and we're rushing around and this extends, and this is something that I've really tried to do and I'm not always perfect with it, but like, I don't think we should wake up and look at our phones as soon as we wake up and yep. scroll social media and look at the news because you're immediately stressing yourself out and your cortisol levels are raising. So like I used to wake up, roll over, my alarms on my phone. I would look at it. I'd look at my text messages. I'd look at my Instagram. I'd look at the news. I'd read my emails and my heart would be racing and I didn't even get out of bed yet. Mm-hmm. So I actually have all notifications are turned off on my phone. Like if I have text messages, I don't see the mark. 
my Instagram notifications don't pop up, my Facebook notif- I have to open the app to do it. And I really try to get up in the morning, get out of bed, get my coffee, come back to the room and visualize and meditate for a few minutes before I even look at my phone. And that makes such a difference. Like we're literally conditioning ourselves with our little cell phones to wake up in fight or flight every day. And then we wonder why we get to the office or we get to school or whatever we're doing. And we're like a terrorist because you started your day like so high stress. Yep. Yeah. And it's funny that you brought up the notifications because I started to to realize throughout this journey of my anxiety and learning how to, you know, what triggers me. And one of the things that triggered me were notifications on my phone. Mm -hmm. And every time I would hear the ding or I would see the red bubble on my iPhone of like, I, I, I would have, I I would feel the sense of anxiety that I had to look at it or see Mm -hmm. it, get it to go away. Like it was a source of, of anxiety for me. Mm -hmm. So about two months ago, I turned off all notifications as well. And it's been the best thing that I've done because I'm not, I don't see it. I don't hear it. It's like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing for me. And it's helped me tremendously with anxiety and like not, because even for me, when I was at work and I'd be teaching or whatever, and I would hear my phone go off because we have our, we have to have our phones on us at my job. It's just the way our um, school communicates with each other. But when I would hear my phone go off or whatever, I'd always have this like sense of anxiety for no reason, just like I couldn't handle the notifications. So once I turned them off, I was like, deep breath. It was nice. So it's really nice. It makes such a difference. mm -hmm, 100%. I think that everyone needs to try it. Like I've had a lot of clients and told them to like a couple of clients of mine have tried it and have not gone back because the, it just helps with the stress and the the ability, the the thought that you have to be on your phone or you have to look at it every second it comes, you know, the second it comes in and you know, that, that thought is gone. Um, and you don't have the, the thought that you have to respond right away or you have to be, you know, on all the time. Um, on your phone. And we don't, and we don't have to respond all the time right away. No. Like we're so conditioned that we have to be available 24 seven. And I've been learning the skill of not being so available. Mm-hmm. So something I haven't done yet, but I'm actually, I want to do it. I just have to commit to doing it. Um, I was listening to a influencer blogger talk about how she, um, she doesn't look at her text messages until the nighttime. Wow. And she only answers text messages once a day unless it's like her assistant or her husband or something. But like she does not interrupt her day to have text conversations and puts it for one time of the day. So she looks and responds to everything once a day. And I love that. Like, yeah, it's so powerful. Um, Mm -hmm. We get, cause like think about during the day we get interrupted, it interrupts the flow and then stressful things come in. And that's something that I would really love to implement. And I think would be really helpful with stress and anxiety. For sure. Yeah. Um, that's, that's so true. We, we definitely let our phone interrupt a lot of what we do throughout, throughout the day. And we might be, like you said, in a good flow of like work or whatever you're doing. And then you allow that to just interrupt you. And I think that we've always, like you said, conditioned to believe that we have to be available all the time. And I have learned that also I, how I show up and respond to people is how I am showing them that they can treat me too. Mm -hmm. So if I respond right away and they, that means that they can, you know, message me at midnight and then I'm going to respond right away. And that's not who I am anymore. And so I have, I've really 
started to make clear boundaries and establish them from like making the relationship. This is how it's going to be. Like if you, as a client, if you message me, I'm not going to message you right back. Like right then I will message you when I'm in a good headspace because I have to give 100%. Yeah. To you, I'm not going to give you half-ass Mindy. Um, I'm going to give you 100%. So whatever that looks like, it may not be, you know, in 15 minutes, it might be in an hour. It might be in two hours. It might be in the evening, but I will get back to you. But I, it, it's just all about establishing the boundary and the expectations of what you're available for. Is what totally. I feel, what yeah. I, I, feel the, I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. I feel like this um, oh. conversation is something that needed to be had. And I feel like it's something that I haven't had on the podcast. And I feel like there's a lot of listeners who will benefit from this and But I wanted to, um, first of all, I always end my podcast with three random questions. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you the three random questions. Mm -hmm. So the first question is, what is your favorite word? What is my favorite word? Lately, I mean, this isn't necessarily my favorite word, but I've been told that I keep saying this all the time. I'm always saying perfect. Oh my God, that's so perfect. Yeah, perfect. That's funny. So I guess it's my favorite word right now. (laughs) That is so funny. Um, And what is your favorite sound? Mm, I love white noise. I love either white noise or the sound of the ocean. Mm, Yes, I love the sound of the ocean. That's where I'm meant to be. Like all the time. Yeah. Same girl, me too. Yes. And last question is bedroom, car, or desk. What do you make sure is cleaned first? Bedroom, car, desk. Mm, it's a tough call, but car is hard last. Mine too. Um, it's bedroom. I would say bedroom, then desk. My mm-hmm. sleep space, where I sleep, my bedroom has to be a certain way. And my bedroom is almost always perfectly clean. I wake, make my bed as soon as I get out of bed in the morning. Like, so I would say bedroom, then desk. Okay. I like it. And for those of, the, the, those of us that are listening, um, how can they find you? How, they, how can they connect with you? How can they get in your energy? So my Instagram, I'm really active on Instagram, and it's Regina A. Lawrence. And then my website is reginalawrence.com or mindsetcoachforwomen.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on here. I really appreciate it. I know this episode is going to be well-received and um, I know that there's going to be a lot of notes taken. And if those of you who are listening that did not take notes, go back, re-listen, because you're probably going to need to take some notes and start establishing these um, tangible tips that you gave on how to manage this anxiety and stress that you have going on in your life. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And this is you. I will see you in the next episode.